And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. As an American nerd, I am your host, David K. Montoya. Alright, gang, welcome to this week's episode. This is like take 32 or something like that, I don't know. <laughs> I'm frustrated, I'm so frustrated. But I, I'm dedicated. And because of my dedication, well, we will do this for the 23rd time. Um, just It's just been a day. Um, I don't know. I mean, I have content for you. I have nerdy news. Um, but there's things that I need to talk about. And it's almost in a form of housekeeping. But, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's on a serious matter. I mean, it's nothing life and death. But it's, uh, some things that I want to, to talk about. So... Maybe this will be Dave's commentary episode. Um, yeah, that might be that might be something. Uh, my girls are off with their aunt, so it's just me and Jay, and, and Jay's asleep. And um, yeah, <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired, but we will get through this. And if if I get through all of this. Um, at least, hopefully, I'll give you some like uh, some nerdy news, maybe toy of the week. We'll see what happens. We're only a minute and thirty seconds into it, so one of the big things that I want to talk to everybody about is that after five years of not working uh, for a corporation or a company, and I've, I've been working for myself, obviously, in the, the Jaselmon Dark Myth Company. And, you know, we've, we've done well in the five years, I think. Uh, we've put out books and we've put out podcasts. We've even done, my gosh, you know, the PCE this year. But the reality of things is that we need to move. We need a bigger place. Now, I can go into this big, long, drawn-out spill, which I'm not, because I'm not big on, on making private matters public, because that's why they're called private matters. But um, it's it's time for the kids and I to move on. You know, we need to find a bigger place. And for what we need... What we require would require more money than what I'm making right now. So I put in an application at a local hospital not too long ago. It's been over a month. I, and I just put it in. I didn't really think nothing of it. Um, but I, I heard back from them like, hmm... I think it was like a week after I did the application, I did what was like a digital um, interview. And I thought, okay, that was cool, you know. And then I hadn't heard from him for like two weeks. Then last Friday, no, Thursday, I got a call and they're like, can you come in and do a competency test? Now, my job is to interpret EKG rhythms. So... They show me, you know, well, first I had to go in and they gave me the verbal, you know, this is this and this is this. What is this? You know, just by verbal, I know, you know, what a rhythm is. And then they showed me the strips and I did that. And then yesterday, no, day before yesterday, because now we're in Wednesday. So Monday, they, they inter or the interview, the manager, the director called me and wanted an actual Skype interview. And I did. I accepted. And then Tuesday, yesterday, I did the, the Skype interview, and it went very well. And they offered me the position, and I accepted. 
Now, there's a bunch of legal red tape that needs to be finished before I can get started. Uh, for example, you know, the the paperwork that needs to go in and, and everything and, and me going and getting recertified and all that because it's been five years. So I will be uh, becoming a full-time employee of a local hospital. Um, and the game plan is basically is to take three months of my pay, tuck it aside, and that'll be my, my down payment for a house. That's, that's what I'm hoping. Now, with that, I mean, just the idea... Um, because it's been five years and you know I've always been a night shifter but it just didn't appeal to me I mean for the last five years I think I've been more days than nights uh, now I would stay up to like midnight for the podcasts to make sure that you know they get sent out on the proper time but you know staying up all night it just it wasn't me so I took a day shift. It is, I don't know what the exact days is, but I know it's from 6 in the morning to 6.30 at night. And that's going to be a big change for me because that would mean, that, you know, that I would have to be out of the house by 5.30 in the morning so I can get to work by 6, which means that I would have to be up at least by 5 o'clock to, you know, the shave and shower and get ready so I would have to be up by five. Then that would require me to not go to sleep after 12 o'clock in the morning. I will actually have to go to sleep fairly early. Now, the upside to this is, is it's only three days a week. That is the upside. Um, and trust me, I did weigh the, the pros versus cons. And it's just, you know, when... When you have those things where you weigh your family's importance against anything, your family's importance is always going to win out, regardless of what it is. And that was what happened in this situation, is that we we need money. I have a specialty that um, I, it, it makes me valuable. It makes me employable. And... Um, so I'm putting that to my, my advantage, and I'm getting a job. So with having a full-time job, and I apologize if you hear that in the background, um, is there's going to be some changes within the company. Now, hopefully, the game plan is that you, the consumer, will not even notice the changes but there will be changes in of how we deliver our content for the fact that I cannot stay up until midnight to release a podcast. Now, I do realize that there is uh, ways of working around that, you know, autos, but there we'll, we'll figure this out. We will we'll figure this out because... I mean, shoot, I, I ran a podcasting network working a full-time. And, you know, most 99.99% of the time, it, it went off without a hitch. And if there was ever a problem, typically it wasn't because of me, you know, on my end. So I'm, I'm confident about getting things situated. You know, we might actually not even be doing uh, midnight releases anymore. We might actually be going to um, maybe like 5 o'clock releases or something. I don't know. I, I literally, I have to find out everything. I have to find out what days I'm working and uh, put together, you know, a plan, especially with the podcast. Because like, for example, you know, I'm recording literally minutes before. As soon as I finish recording this, I'm going to spin it down and I'm going to put it up online. There's not going to be no wait time. The wait time is literally going to be me sitting here and recording this. Um, 
I can't do that no more. I won't be able to do that no more. Um, for the simple reason, like I said, I will be asleep at midnight because I have to be up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go to work. And that is, that is kind of the way it works in with the Jazel Modcast Network is that we typically got it in before the day before and that was, you know, copacetic to what we had, what we needed. Now, this time around will be changed all the way around. We, I was thinking somewhere between like a, a two and three day um, turn in. So that way I have some time, whether it be I go home and, you know, after dinner, maybe I can spin, spin it down and have it ready to go or something um, but that's that's kind of the big thing is mainly everything behind the curtains is going to change within the entire company. So the way that things are done is going to change because I am not going to be accessible 24 hours a day, seven days a week anymore. It's just I I I almost feel guilty, but I hope that you all understand that this is for my family. And, you know, my family has endured a lot in the last five years. And it's finally come to the point where it's time for us to move forward, to start making more prominent life decisions instead of business decisions. Now, it doesn't mean I'm not giving up the business. The business is still staying the same and nothing's changing as far as the business for a consumer. It's still going to be there. But... Um, yeah, I just, you know, it's, it's time for me to, to write that next chapter of our life. Now with like, that kind of goes with the magazine as well, the World of Myth magazine. Um, we would typically go and wait and extend the deadline, extend the deadline, extend the deadline for people to submit to their, to the World of Myth. And I've found myself many, 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 many times uh, doing a, literally a 24-hour, um, like last issue of the World of Myth that came out on the, October 24th. I stayed up until like seven in the morning, straight coding, um, and I, we just can't do that no more. Obviously, you know, if I'm <laughs> I'm going to be at work by six, I'm not going to be able to code until seven um that's just not going to be uh copacetic is the word that's coming to mind so there we go copacetic um so that'll mean unfortunately the the deadlines will be a little bit stricter you know i mean it is they're still going to be the 15th of every month but that's it have it in on the 15th um because maybe we can do two or three days of Steph editing. Say she gets it to me by the 18th. That gives me six days to get all that coded. So that pretty much guarantees me the availability that I need to do the coding and have the world of myth ready for you. Um, so, I mean, other than that, that's that's basically it. Well, there's really no change in publication. I, I'm thinking about bringing on more people to help me out because we have so many um, stories and books that are in the lineup right now. Um, in fact, let's see. I just got back a, a dual contract with um, Walter G. Esselman, who... Walter is the grand prize winner for PCE, and his novel Super Horror Max is slated to come out in March. And um, but he's also got another book that we contracted him to come out with, and I'm not going to say which one yet, but it, it was one of his uh, serials on the world of myth, which were absolutely amazing, and people really enjoyed it, and. Um, that is going to be produced into a book as well. So saying all that, you can kind of tell that there is 
going to be a need for more people to help me out. Um, as I'm pulling this up here, I'm actually going to tell you. This is this is it. This is what we got going right now. Um, we have Full Moon and Howling, a werewolf anthology that is due out the 23rd of this month. The Chosen and the World of Myth 2020 calendar is due out the 8th of December. Super Horror Max is due out March 11th, 2021. My book, The Missing Unicorn and the Lamb of the Zombie Fairies, is due out May 10th, 2021. Uh, a poetry book by Christopher Bice, by the name of Broken Lines, is due out 6-8-2021. My other novel, Through the Eyes of Madness, is scheduled for July 6, 2021. The... Book, the second book to Walter's uh, contract, the one I was telling you about, is due out September 7th, 2021. Then Zombie Works is going to come out with another anthology called Natural Instincts, A Tale of Witches and Warlocks, which is due out October 26th, 2021. Then Magically... No, wait, I skipped one. The World of Myth Anthology... Volume 4 is coming out December 7th, 2021. And then finally, for the end of 2021, uh, the sequel to Eternally Bound, Magically Bound, is due December 14th, 2021. So you can see I have all these projects, and that's just publishing. We're not even talking about anything else at this point, just publishing and that I'm going to to need help with. And so we're bringing in more people. I had to think about what where <laughs> what was I getting at? <laughs> yes, I'm I'm looking at bringing in more people. In fact, um I don't know if the gentleman is interested in the offer that I I gave him, um but I actually submitted a proposal to a gentleman to become the new editor-in-chief of Dark Myth Comics because that's something else that we actively want to get back into is creating comic books. Now, I think that there is a market for that kind of thing. And I, I know that's kind of an iffy gray area, especially in independent micro-publishing because the... The general, the way that it works is that, how it works, I'm trying to explain how to say this without making anybody upset or offending anybody, is what had happened was back in the early part of 2000s, there was an insurgence of independent publishing. And they were getting, they got all the way up to like 30% of the market. And the the big people, the big companies did not like that because they were tapping into their profits. So they had to come up with a way to bring back their profits. And somebody in, in the UK was the one who came up with this idea, which in all actuality, I will give them a pat on the back. It was an absolutely genius idea to come up with this. And what it was, was that back in the day, when you were a comic book artist, there were multiple factors about um, how you were paid. And quite frankly, it was never about dollars per hour. It was never a thing about how many hours you worked on a page. As long as you could turn out the pages and the allotted time to get it to press, that's all they cared about. One of the big factors, like the big key, 99% big key factor was your popularity. We're going to pay you this much money because we know that your name's going to bring in that many, you know, that that many readers, like Jim Lee. Okay, we put on a Jim Lee comic, you know, tons of people are going to come in just for that artwork. Todd McFarlane, same thing. 
you know, it, it's um, the Cuberts, Andy and Adam, you know, um, they have their own following, and that's what they were based off of. Now, somebody in that time frame said, "Hey, let's let's just start something where we make it where it's almost impossible." For the indies to make a comic book, and that was their idea, is they proposed out into the interwebs a, a movement saying that artists should be paid per hour, and the whole market changed. It, it did. It changed. And now, now this is again. I, I'm trying to to approach this in the most sensitive. An understanding way because you know what I'm an artist too and I've drawn comic books but the way that it's become multi multiple things have changed okay um, so you can't go up and say I will pay you this much money to, to draw a comic book and it just doesn't work that way you know they, they're like this is how many hours it takes and this is minimum wage this is blah 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 well, for someone who is going to do a micro run of 200 prints, $1,600 is not feasible for artwork. I'm sorry, that is not feasible for artwork. Now, the, the idea is, is that the original concept was is we would pay you X amount of money and depending on if you had a following, and then we would shoot to make popularize on that. And with each issue, with would you your pay would go up until you reached where you, you know, felt that you could go on to Marvel or DC or Image. That was the way it was. That was the entire market for independent comics. It's not like that now. And guess what happened? Because people can't afford to make micro-comics. Now, people can go and make a Kickstarter, you know, go on Kickstarter and hope that they can pull enough money in. But guess what happens, okay? They say they go on Kickstarter, they bring the money so they can pay, because, you know, not only do you have to pay for your artist, but you pay for your inker and your colorist and your letterer and your editor. Unfortunately for writers, nine times out of ten, the writers don't even get a paycheck. That's just true. Okay? That is that is true. I know this. Why? Because I was a comic book writer for many years in the indie market at that. So with all this, okay, you, you have the... I'm trying to collect all my thoughts here. Um, so you you do the Kickstarter, you raise enough money to pay for everybody, right? And then you you're like, okay, well, do I make enough money off a of Kickstarter to make a running print, or do I sell on demand? And just for laughs, let's just say that you had 200 prints printed up, okay? So now you're gonna sell your book and you, you're going to push 200 books for $4 roughly that is what uh, yeah well, that's about right $4 so that's that's $800 that's it you're done you made $800 you are technically in the standards of if you pay the way that people want you would probably be negative what $3,200? And guess what? <laughs> You're not going to go on Kickstarter and do all that again so you can be negative $3,200. So guess what happens? The indie market disappeared. There's hardly anybody. Now, like the micro-publishers, like us, the ones that were coming up and starting to take you know shape in the market form, we're gone. 99% of us are gone. But I do have a marketing strategy that might work. We'll see what happens. But uh, I digress. <laughs> wow, I really digressed. I'm sorry. Um, so anyway, 
jumping back to the original thought, I put in an offer to uh, a gentleman who will be hopefully in touch with me in the next day or two to say yes, I I can I, I'll take the you know the job or no, I don't want the job. It's not enough. Um, I don't know. I we'll see what happens, and then we can start building on that. Ah, uh, goodness, I really went off on a tirade. <laughs> well, I'm about to go off on another tirade too. Yeah, this is I. Yeah. Um. Okay. So everybody knows that we've been working on building a wrestling. Um. Oh my gosh! I just, I just promotion. There we go. <laughs> the word blinked out on me for a second. Uh, we were working on JPWI. Uh, Blake Grayson is currently our world heavyweight champion. Now, there's there's a movement going on that I saw, and it troubled me. Um, one of the, the wrestlers, I guess the wrestlers are trying to unionize, which doesn't quite really make sense to me because they're all independent contractors. Meaning they do their own taxes and they buy their own insurance and they do all that stuff. So legally, they're not employees of the big promoters. That be WWE, AEW. Um, oh my gosh, what is the other one? Uh, May, uh, MLW. You know, so they're independent contractors. So I don't really see how they would the whole union thing would work. And then it clicked in my head because, and that's the whole reason why I think I went into that whole. Let's squash the little guys to get more of the market back because that is exactly what will happen. So how it came about is, I guess, wrestlers are trying to – the bigger wrestlers, the ones that the wrestling and the, the two big promotions, AEW and WWE, I guess they're trying to push for a, a union, right? And, um, of course, the uh, Actors Guild is trying to jump in and saying, oh, we'll, we'll represent you. Now, here's the thing. If you unionize wrestling, you're going to destroy the indie unit. The indie promotions, and we're not talking like the million dollar or even the multi-million dollar indie promotions. Um, and they're out there, you know. Uh, and pretty much... Like uh, what Lucha Underground and well Lucha Underground was is owned by CBS so that that might be different but um, MLW you know they'll survive but like uh, and Ring of Honor I don't know I don't know if Ring of Honor would even be able to survive that if it were to go union because once you go union then you are required to pay a certain amount of money. For the wrestlers, right? So when you have shows like this, like like what we do, our, our uh, you know minor, I guess we'd be minor leagues. That's kind of rough for me to say to myself, but I guess that's what it is. Is we're, we're minor leagues. Um, so say, okay, for example, say you have a, a guy. And he's called a jobber because he loses. He does the job. He takes the job. And he comes and he loses. And say they're unionized. And because he works for one of the big names, he say he makes like $3,000 for a spot, you know, to come in and wrestle and lose. Now, because he would be union, he would come back to me and say, well, my last gig was $3,000, you have to pay me $3,000. And, you know, my whole event might be $5,000. You know what I'm trying to say? See, that would that would kill the market. That would kill the small indie promotions that are out there. You know, the, almost like the old school territories. And if you're a wrestling fan, you get that. And I know... I'm not against unions. Let me just put that out there right now. I'm not against unions. But it has to not affect 
the indie market, i.e., like independent comics, independent publishers, independent wrestlers, those you would drive those out of business. Now, example, I am I'm taking a union job for the hospital, but there is no independent hospitals, you know? So it's pretty much wide range because everybody's on the same kilter. That is not so on the the indie world versus the pro world. And if you do something like that, you're going to to kill indie wrestling. Now, I don't think that with there there's a lot of um talk online about this particular wrestler and she she went and um she's like i i i'm pro unionization of wrestling and i guess she got fired i don't know the whole story no i don't think that's right if it's just that if she just got fired for voicing her opinion or not her opinion but her well yeah her opinion her feelings on the matter that's freedom of speech she shouldn't have been fired for that I don't know. Of course, it'll all come out and, and uh, you know, be clear eventually. But I am not for unionization of wrestlers. Or, or okay, let's make an addendum to this. Unionization of wrestling promotions that are categorized, what, a million dollars more a year. If you make less than a million dollars, then you don't unionize. If you do make more than a million dollars, then yes, you unionize. Now that I totally see. I could that would totally work. Um, because then, then that kind of works in the the indie worlds with like how acting works, you know, because you can offer a job. Uh, whether it be through SAG or not SAG, you know, so you have that availability. So if they were to do that, you know, and, and offer a union versus non-union job, that would still work. That's just an idea. I, I like I said, and I kind of told told you all this in the beginning. You know, I, I really, uh, yes, I do have. Um, I, I believe it or not, I actually had a whole. Um, outlet of things to talk about uh, but I don't know I for some reason this felt like it I needed to talk get it off my chest and and uh, you know really just I I don't I don't know I, I don't really talk much about it and it's it's just my thoughts and my my processes um, for example PCE has really been on my mind lately, and I submitted something to the committee today that I, I really troubled me. And I, I don't know how it's going to play out in the long run. I'm always optimistic. I'm always optimistic, and I will not give up. I will not. The only way that I will stop is if I fail. And then I sit back and figure out why I failed and then try it again in a different way. <laughs> That's just me. Um... So, Monday night, I got a notification. Um, I live in Apple Valley, California. And within the area is called San Bernardino County. Now, where we hold PCE is in San Bernardino County as well. It's the San Bernardino Fairgrounds. And I got a notification online, or not online, but through a Messenger, that... There had uh, Gavin Newsom had employed more uh, lockdown rules, and you know, did, will it affect you? Blah blah blah. So I was looking. I went to San Bernardino, and to my dismay, conventions are completely shut down per law in San Bernardino County, California. So. I mean, right now that it doesn't have much effect on us. Like, I mean, if we were to have PCE tomorrow, then yeah, we'd be screwed because we wouldn't be able to. But we still have what four months out, four and a half months roughly. But the the truck the the trick that 
I'm having or the, the tough time that I'm having is finding vendors that are willing to roll the dice on this. Um, because I can't say, I cannot honestly say 100% guarantee, and that's what I get a lot, is can you guarantee, can you 100% guarantee me that you know COVID-19 won't be a thing in March 2021? No, I can't. I can't guarantee. Not without lying to you. And I'm not a liar, so I'm not going to guarantee. And, you know, that's it's affecting things. And it's frustrating. Um, I'm still doing the very best that I can do to offer PCE. And I know people mentioned um, like a virtual con, but we're not big enough. We don't, we don't, okay, for example, you know, Comic Con, Comic Con San Diego. You'll go to a virtual Comic Con from, for, San Diego because you know they're going to have like the top tier A-list names and we just don't have that type of money to to bring that into fruition for this kind of thing so you're probably thinking all right Dave what's the point what do you get to the point what are you talking about um there's really no point in just letting you know that PCE, I still plan on doing PCE. I still plan on doing it on the 14th of March. Um, was it 14th or 13th? I have to look. But I still plan, you know, in March. Um, everything is still a go. I am looking for vendors. I am. That's just the, the truth. And I, I try to be transparent. And I know that, you know, sometimes being too transparent will bite somebody in the butt, but it's just, I'm I'm transparent. I'm an open book, you know, and that is our cross the bear during this process is to find the vendors, even though we can't guarantee that COVID's not going to be still rampant. This is like the the 87th wave of COVID in California or something like that. And yes, I'm being sarcastic. Um, But yeah. And, and, uh, you know, okay, look, the long run is this. PCE 2021 will happen regardless of what happens with COVID. Okay, regardless of what happens around the world, at some point in 2021, we will organize because it has to. It has to. Okay, and and I was explaining this to somebody else recently is that that is how the universe works. You have your good with your bad, you have a balance in the universe. Without the balance in the universe, it would implode on itself. That is scientifically proven. That's why you have light and dark, solid and mass, dark matter and matter, good and bad. There's there's a balance to it, and there's a reason for that. So, yes, we're going through something bad right now, but there will be something good. It will end, and I believe it will end in 2021. I do think, you know, because – okay, for example – the, the Spanish flu uh, that happened in 19 oh was it 19 1918 1919 something like that it it, is, <laughs> it actually uh, has been it they got it under control and they didn't have the the technology that we have okay so it will come. I'm not. I don't mean for this episode to be so doom and gloom, but it's just I'm I'm laying everything out. I'm setting the stage and making sure that everybody understands what's going on, especially with PCE, you know, and with the magazine and with the podcast. You know, there will be, you know, some changes. Um, so that is it right now. Right now, all our guests are still committed to to coming. Uh, We are still going to fly Walter G. Esselman in from uh, 
oh my gosh, I just blinked out, Michigan. And um, bring him to California, give him a table, get him selling some books. It will be fun. That is that is the game plan, is to do what we've done. Now, trust me, okay? Trust me on this. Because the first time, they said, you can't do it. There's no way you can do it by yourself. And I did it. I did. This time, now they're saying, there's no way that you can pull it off, you know, in the, the time that you have. Have faith in me. I won't let you down. And if I fail, I'm going to fail swinging, going down swinging. It's not because I'm going to walk away. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to do this. And I don't know if, if you guys realize this or not. But I do this all for you guys. I don't get nothing out of it. I don't get no pay out of it. I'm not interested in recognition. My enjoyment is your enjoyment. I know that sounds cheesy. I know it. I know it does. But that is the God's honest reason what keeps me going. It's because this world is so bummer. You know, I mean, I grew up in the 90s. And I thought it was it was a pretty good time to grow up. I think I got lucky. 80s, eh. Well, I was a, I was in my teens in the 80s. Or no, no, that's not true. I was in my teens in the 90s. In 1990, I became a teenager, in fact. So um, adolescence in the 80s, and then teenage years in the 90s. Um. Anyway, that just inspired me to to bring a little something happy. Because I remember growing up, you know, especially in the 80s when the whole AIDS epidemic and everybody was afraid to die and the, the cocaine, you know, that was just coming in by the boatloads. And it was not a, a, a really – I mean people kind of uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Romanticize the 80s, but the 80s was not that great of a time. There was some really hardcore stuff going on. And I think that's what stuck in my head is to, instead of produce corruption and anarchy and problems and heartache, to to try to produce something good. And that's what I do. That's what I do. And I've built my own creative family around it. And um, I couldn't be happier. It just, that's what it comes down to. Okay, so I'm done yammering about that. I know we're we're at the 42, 43-minute mark. But uh, I wanted to bring something up because I said family, and it triggered something. And it, this is kind of a fun story, so I'm going to leave you off on this story. Um, I had a credit card that was supposed to come in the mail like two months ago. I was And uh, I come out, and I checked every day. I checked every day. I checked with my family that was around the house, you know, to see if they grabbed it. And they're like, no. So I waited. Um, I don't know how long I waited. And I ended up calling uh, the, 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 the bank, the, the company. And I was like, look, I haven't got my, my new card yet. I'm waiting for my new card to come in. And they're like, okay. You know, I gave them my social security number and phone number and, you know, what was my dog's favorite color, you know, and all that kind of weirdness. And they're like, okay, we'll send you out another one. I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And I was sitting here where I'm at right now in front of my computer, and I was on Experian because, you know, I'm getting ready to look into getting a house. So I'm looking at my credit, you know, making sure everything's in order. And... um I seen the credit card and I looked down at it and it said this address. Now I live on a street where my we've been here off and on since 1997. So what is that? 33 or something like that? I think 20. No, that's not right. 97. Let's see, so I don't even 20. 
right? So 23 years. Okay. Anyway, um, so I looked at the address and I'm like, I haven't lived at this address in 10 years. Now, I previously lived when Jay, my youngest, was our only child and he was like one. He had his first birthday there. So that was, let me think about it. It was 2002. So we moved into that house in 2002. And we lived there until 2010. And I saw this address and I, I'm like, that's crazy. Why, you know, why? So I ended up, I called the bank and I was like, hey, are you guys using this number, this address? to send my, my credit card to? And they're like, yeah, that's it. I'm like, I haven't lived there in 10 years. Literally have not lived there in 10 years. And they're like, okay, well, can you verify? <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Can I verify? And they, they wanted to verify it over the phone and all this weird nonsense. And I tried to, and of course their system didn't work. I'm like, you know what? This house is literally three houses down from where I live right now. I'm just going to jump in my car and I'm just going to drive down to the house. So I drove down to the house and I hadn't been there in 10 years. And for the most part, it looked the same. For some reason though, they, they pulled up all the grass and it's just dirt now. And um, I knocked on the door and nobody answered. So I wrote a little note and I'm like, hi, I'm Dave Montoya. I lived here 10 years ago. I'm looking for a credit card. Um, can you call me? And then I went back home. And uh, I was doing other things. I don't remember exactly what I was doing. And then this number came through, and I didn't know it. And I was like, yeah, I might as well answer it. And I just clicked it over. And I'm like, yeah, hi, this is Dave Montoya. How can I help you? And this little old lady, she's like, hi, my name is such and such. I, I got your, your message or your letter. She goes, I have a whole bunch of mail uh, that... I get, and they throw it in the bucket. And she's like, "You come on down, you know, bring your license, show that you are who you say you are, and if it's here in the bucket, you are more than welcome to come take your your credit card." I'm like, "Okay, great, that's cool." So uh, I drive back to the house, and it was just, it was really cool. And uh, I introduced myself, and I explained, you know, the story, you know, and um, surprisingly, she invited me in, which was really cool. Because, again, I hadn't been in the house in 10 years. And um, I just I was looking around, and she let me look, you know, just look at different things, and we talked. And, and sure enough, sure enough, she had both the credit cards in her little baggy thing. Because what she would do is she, she would randomly get all these different uh, people's mails, so she'd throw them in a box or this little tub thing. And then when it got full, she would just go and send it back to the post office as a non-return. So uh, I got, actually, I got a couple of things from from them in my name. And she's like, so you lived here, huh? And I, I was like, yeah. I said, you know, um, I, I spent my 25th birthday and my 30th birthday, you know, here in this house. I said, my son, you know, was one when, when we came here. And, uh, you know, of course, I pulled out my phone and went through Facebook and found all the pictures that we had of the house and the way it looked back then to the way it looks now, which for the most part, it looks similar. Um, not much has changed. And we had a, a good conversation. She was very open and, and, and inviting and she let me look around. And, you know, the funny thing was, the, the, the weirdest thing about the whole situation was is it still felt like home. After all these years, it felt like home. And I think it's because I had all those really good memories. Um, so that was just, there was one of those things where it, it was a once in a lifetime opportunity that I'm, I'm glad that it was by, it was happenstance. I know it was all happenstance. But to to have the opportunity to go back and kind of revisit, you know, um, the world of myth was created in that house. 
So there you go. That's 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 that was big for me. It was very. Uh, I tried not to get emotional, you know, because of course Lacey not being alive anymore, um, and a lot of my pictures are with her. You know, we we had some really fun times in that house. We were young. We we kind of grew up together in that house. So I want to thank her and her daughter, and I think it was her son that were so uh, gracious and hospitable for me to a complete stranger to be allowed to come in and look around and, and talk and, and share memories. And it was just, it was really fun. So thank you. I know you're not listening to this, but thank you. Ah, okay. I think we are finished with this. Um, <laughs> that turned into a fast hour, didn't it? Uh, yeah, I had a lot to say. And I really sincerely hope that none of my stuff offended anybody. It was just uh, some things that I needed to get off my chest. And um, I don't know. I just I wasn't feeling the content this week. If I fill up to it, I, I might do. I'm, don't hold me to this. But um, if I fill up to it, and if the girls, I can't remember if the girls are coming back tomorrow night or Thursday night. Now, if the girls come back tomorrow night, then I won't be able to. But if they're not, I may possibly record another episode for like a Saturday bonus special, and and I'll cover the the all the info that I have. So I, I won't even tap into Toy of the Week this this episode. Um, but thank you so much, and you know, like I. I just be kind, guys. Be kind to each other. Because you don't know. You don't know just because they look happy or they look unaffected. You don't know what kind of day they're having. Um, this week, well, actually not this week, but, well, yeah, this week. But I've been struggling with depression again. It kind of creeped up on me. And I've been trying to fighting, you know, fight it off. But, um, you know, with the kids not being around and having that, that power, that drive to make sure that everything was okay, I kind of just slipped into it yesterday. And uh, I, I slept through it. I, I think I got the funk off. But just be nice to people because you don't know what they're going through. You know, golden rule. Go back to kindergarten. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. All right, that's it for this episode. Like I said, uh, we will try to do it again for Saturday. We'll see what happens. So for my public life as an American nerd, I am David K. Montoya. And as always, I bid you adieu. <laughs>